Yo, Geek Roulette Podcast coming right at you, bro. How's it going? Yo, 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 here we at. That was bad. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, with that, hey, we're retiring this podcast forever yes, now. Yes, folks. Thanks for listening. It's been great. Right. Bottom of the right. barrel. What if we did like yeah. a three-minute like episode, basically, where we just you know tell everybody off and leave? This is what we really think of all you people. Mm-hmm. Very little. Uh, yeah. Seriously, thank you. Welcome to the Geek Roulette Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Spragle. I am the other host, John Lundquist. Uh, for this episode, we are doing a face-off episode where I propose two topics and John proposes two topics. And with two choices, and we try to determine which is the better choice of the two. Um, leading up to that, obviously, we have our recommendations and our arbitrary list and all of our witty banner that you've come to love to hate. John, did you disappear again? John, your your computer and internet. I did. No, that was I muted because I had to cough, and then I forgot to unmute. <sighs> My apologies, everybody. You're just being a technical monkey today, aren't you? Apparently, I don't know what the hell is going on over here. Mm-hmm. We call those every day, John. Yeah, accurate. Housekeeping. Hey, rate us on the podcast platform you listen to. And on top of that, Facebook and Twitter as well. Thank you very much. Let's move this on. Yeah, we're on point today, except for that horrible intro. Yeah, and the weird, awkward silence because of my mute abilities. Yeah, this is definitely a two-star, three-star. We're a one-star episode right now. we got to work our way out of that hole. We can do it. We'll get you, folks. We'll be five-star by the end. We will be. Have faith. Hey, let's do recommendations. I know there's no way, John, this episode you're going to steal the recommendation I have. Probably not. I don't think you're going to steal the one I have either. So why don't you take the the lead, sir? All right. So what I'm going to recommend... I'm not recommending it because it's good. That's an awkward way to start a recommendation. I'm recommending it because it is probably one of the biggest what the fuck did I just kind of watch things. And I I, not just watch one, but watching a whole series of something. You ever like this this show I'm going to recommend, it almost feels in some ways like when you see people on social media like follow people like on Twitter they don't like because they kind of just want to see where the train wreck is going. This almost kind of feels like that in a weirdly enjoyable way. And the ending will piss you off so much. It's amazing. You'll just sit there and go, why did I invest this time in it? And what I'm referring to is the Netflix series The Watcher. Uh this is a show that apparently is supposed to be based on a real life event, but it's very loosely based on it where apparently the amount of dramatization that came into this whole thing is through the roof. Essentially it's about a family that moves into this house in this quaint little neighborhood after living in the bad parts of New York. And essentially they're getting letters, creepy letters about from someone called the watcher who's talking about their home. I can't even like explain this whole series and it's amazing because the series makes everybody so unlikable oh man everyone is so unlikable in the series except maybe one character and that one character is always drinking it's weird it's weird and you sit there every episode it's like all right let it's like driving on a highway of craziness where it's like well 
let's see where we're going to go. Oh, we're going to go off on this ramp. Okay, well, then we're going to go off on this ramp. But then you're like, oh, we just went back onto the on-ramp again. Imagine a show, John, ranging everywhere from cults, crazy psychopaths and serial killers, uh, stalkers, um, corrupt, like, realtors it's the most bizarre show ever john and i i've heard the original story that this is based on like i've heard all the details about it but i don't know on a podcast or wherever it was i listened to it but and it's super creepy like the real world thing i could see why somebody would want to base a tv show on it but at the same time like a tv show based on the actual events that you're keeping pretty close to what actually happened would be Creepy for a little bit, but then get kind of boring. Like, there's not really any way you can stretch it out outside of, like, a 15, 20-minute, like, unsolved mysteries type dramatization type thing. Like, I don't know how you would get six, seven episodes or whatever Netflix pulled out. But I, I heard similar things that it's kind of a train wreck of a show and goes pretty far off the rails. It it does, John. And the thing is, is that I would say about halfway through the episode, I kind of predicted what the, what the probable ending would be. And I was kind of partially right, but the show is like, no, we're never going to let you have this. We're not going to let you have this. And yeah. So if you sit there and think, man, I kind of want to watch something that I want to hate and see where it goes. I recommend The Watcher on Netflix. Yeah. No, thanks. I'll pass. No, John, seriously, please watch it. (laughs) I can't be alone in this. You, you can spoil it for me later. Or heck, you'd, you'd probably spoil it for me now. I don't know if anybody would care, but... No, no. What's your recommendation, yeah. John? All right, I have an actual good recommendation. Technically two, but I'm going to gloss over one pretty quick. Um, the first one I'm going to gloss over pretty quick. Well, usually in October, which was, you know, Halloween was last week. You know, behind the scenes, everybody. Um, I try to read, like, something scary, and I've been doing audiobooks lately. If you've been paying attention, I've been doing audiobooks quite a while. Um... And I did two this year. The first one I did was the original Bram Stoker's Dracula, which if you haven't read it, actually check it out. It's one of those books that I was kind of expecting to not be as good as it was because, you know, a lot of times things get hyped for being the first at doing something, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's good. But, you know, but Dracula was actually pretty good. The last third was maybe a little bit slower, but but good and worth checking out. But the one I give full recommendation is called Those Across the River. It is by, what's the guy's name? Christopher Buhlman. Buhlman. Bueller. Um, Bueller. Bueller. Um, but no, it's pretty good. There's an author who, I don't know why a lot of times in horror stories, it's always authors that are the protagonists, but there's an author, him and his uh, wife or soon-to-be wife moved to this new small town in Georgia. And one of the things this town does is they send pigs off into the woods every month as some kind of just... It's kind of a tradition. Nobody really knows why they do it. It's just something that they do because, you know, it's what they do and it's what they've been doing. And then they put it to a vote like, hey, you know, those pigs would really be good to these farmers that are losing the pigs. And why are we sending them out there anyway? So they basically vote to stop. And that ends up being a very bad idea. Um, And I won't spoil anything else that goes on, but basically what ends up happening... um, I wasn't expecting, I thought it was going to go one way, but it didn't, it kind of zagged on me when I thought it was going to go another way. Um, but just really good. If you're looking for a nice horror book, uh, Those Across the River is a good one to check out. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's good stuff. Check it out. All right. Yeah. Speaking of Halloween, so for our arbitrary list, we, uh, we're going to get morbid. 
we're going to talk about the three deaths of, I don't know, notable individuals, be it celebrities, public figures, or something along those lines. That kind of bummed us out. Like when somebody dies and you sit there and think, oh, man, that kind of sucks. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about that. John, let's get the obvious one that's probably on both our lists out of the way. John, what's one of yours? See, and I went with fictional stuff. I didn't go with actual real life. Oh, well, then we really botched this up then. We did, indeed. Um, Well, tell you what then. Let's, instead of like, let's just have, since we're going off entirely different things, let's just each of ours do all of ours bam, 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 three in a row then. Just, uh. Alrighty. Works. You want to go first? You want me to? You go first. You messed up the assignment. See, I did, and I even messed it up further because mine aren't three figures. It's, it's, well, you'll see here. So the first one is one that, like, bummed me out, kind of came out of nowhere and was shocking. The second one was just shocking, but for different reasons. And the third one was eh, kind of different, but we'll, we'll get there. So so death number one, Battlestar Galactica. Um, her name was Duala. Basically, at the beginning of one of the shows, I'm pretty sure it was the cold open, um, if you're not familiar with Battlestar Galactica, go check, go check it out. But it's basically a bunch of humans. They're not in a really good situation. Things are going bad. They're being chased by aliens across, you know, the galaxies. They're trying to find somewhere to live and basically slowly getting wiped out. Never, it's never make, big, never make smart robots. We're looking at you, Google. No, don't ever make yeah. smart robots. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's not going to end well. And so it's not good times for anybody, really. So one, and there's one episode in particular. It starts out like they're, you know, there's a bunch of officers you can kind of they're in their barracks and they're. Just basically getting ready for the day. One of them, uh, Anastasia Duala. I had to look up her name because I couldn't remember her name because it's been so long since I've seen it, which I need to go back and watch Battlestar Galactic again. It's great stuff. Um, she's getting ready, combing her hair, brushing her hair. She puts her brush down. And then she pulls out her sidearm and pre- proceeds to kill herself in the barracks there with everybody else. And it just kind of was like, holy freaking shit, like... Did not see that coming because she wasn't like some third string character. I mean, she wasn't one of the main protagonists, but she was definitely not like a side character that you only saw once every seven or eight episodes. She was, I think, wasn't she going out with uh, Apollo at the time, I think? Yeah, but she was a third string character, John. I don't know if I'd say third string, but she, she was not a second know. string character. She was a third string. But still, but still somebody you knew. It wasn't like just some random one-off, like, you know, hey, here's some throwaway character that you've either never seen before or whatever. So kind of surprising that, that you know, that... That was the thing I do, but also still totally fit within the tone. Like, this is not a good situation these people were in, and, you know, some of them just cracked under the under the pressure. So um, that's one that I always remember whenever I think of, like, shocking death scenes in TV, you know, in TV or pop culture in general. That's one that always, um, always comes to my mind. <clears throat> uh, my next one, which was shocking for a different reason, is in X-Men 3, right at the beginning... Um, you get Cyclops. He goes out to like this area where, which is at the end of X Men Two. He's like, you know, oh, Jean Grey, why did you die? And then suddenly, like, she rises up out of the whatever and just like, basically disintegrates him, like just out of nowhere, like within the first, I don't know, like five minutes of the movie. I think I haven't gone back to watch it again, so I don't know. Um, but it was just kind of like a what the hell moment, like you know, Cyclops was, you know pretty much the main character in the first two movies, you know, I mean, right there with Wolverine and Professor X. No, he wasn't. Um, he was he, also... He, a, he was. Cyclops is almost essentially a third-string character as well. I mean, the second movie, he spent most of the movie being a captive, pretty much. The third movie, he died, which let me know that, yeah, this movie doesn't really care. 
the first movie. No. He was kind of in there, but again, he was probably the weakest presence in the whole oh, movie. I'm not saying he was like a great character, but I don't think he was like a throwaway, like, you know, going to die in the first five minutes of the third movie for essentially no reason. I don't know. Um, I mean, you sideline him for most of the second movie. You might as well kill him in the third. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so that was just kind of a big, you know, what the hell, what the fuck type moment. Like, why Why did this happen? And then the movie just kind of carried on, and Cyclops doesn't matter at all for the rest of X-Men franchise history. Um, so that's that one. The other one is a death. It's a death in comics that I actually thought was going to stick after a while. This is when Captain America died in Captain America number 25. This is after the Civil War crossover. Um, Captain America gets hauled in for, he gets, he gets arrested basically because, you know, his side loses the civil war basically. So he's getting, he's handcuffed. He's getting walked up like the steps to court and crossbones, as it turns out, shoots him and he's dead. Um, and the way they played it, Ed Brubaker was the one writing at the time and it got played very much like this was going to stick. Like he didn't come back like three episodes, three issues later, like, you know, Hey guys, guess what? I got better. You know, this, you know, the super soldier serum made me better. You know, it focused a lot on Bucky after that, you know, Winter Soldier and kind of his coming to terms with everything that happened. And, you know, suddenly, you know, like it took him a long time to put on the Captain America costume. And even when he did, he was very reluctant about it. And it took him a long time, even after that, to kind of come to terms with, you know, I'm Captain America. And that was kind of when I thought, like, you know, they've kind of been slow playing this. Maybe this is actually going to stick and we're going to get Bucky for Captain America for the foreseeable future. Um, And it took him a while, but Cap did eventually come back in that same run. Which, you know, eh, not great, but not horrible either. I mean, it's comics. I suppose I shouldn't have been suckered into it like I did. But but that was one time I actually thought a big comics death was actually going to stick as it was happening. So so there, there are my three. You thought that they were going to kill Captain America and he was going to stay dead. I did. That is, that is how well written Brubaker did that stuff was that it actually seemed like it was going to stick. You know, most other people I would have been like, yeah. No, he'll be back. It might take, you know, a year, Superman a while to come back, but everybody knew it was going to happen eventually. All right. Yes. So what do you got? Uh, My three is this. Real world deaths. My real world deaths. Starting off, uh, Chadwick Boseman. I have to say that his death surprised me because nobody knew he had cancer. He held it you know, very close and tight to the cuff and yet still filmed through his movies, even while being afflicted with that. I think it sucks and is horrible in the sense that here's a person that was on the cusp of breaking out from a career standpoint. He already had a great career leading up to that. And I feel he could have been so much more. So for him to die suddenly of cancer, definitely a horrible thing. Yeah. And that's going to be another gut punch next week when the next movie comes out. Mm Mm-hmm. The second individual, David Bowie. Again, here's another individual dying of cancer where it kind of crept up and came out of nowhere. Then the next thing you know, hey, Bowie died of cancer. Kind of an odd thing, especially a man who's been so influential in music in so many different ways. He's worked with so many different artists and helped you know create almost various genres of music. So Boeing dying suddenly was also kind of a very disjarring death. And my last one I'm going to choose is going to be comedian Mitch Hedberg. Again, another guy that I feel is on the cusp of having amazing success and then died because apparently of drugs and congenital heart issues and various other vagueness and everything. But Mitch Hedberg, his humor was just 
downright amazing. And I, he was always amazingly socially awkward when on the stage itself. But again, another out of left field death that I feel that took a guy's career before he had a chance to be even that much bigger at it. So those are my three, John. Yeah, they all suck. Wait, you're yeah, saying that all three of those guys suck? I mean, maybe they probably suck something, even if it was just like a Tootsie Pop or something. I mean, did you, you know. just say Tootsie Pop? <laughs> yes, Tootsie Pops. Tootsie Pop suckers. That's what they're called. Look at the rapper, damn it. They're Tootsie Pops. I don't feel that uh, Chadwick Bozeman might have been eating a Tootsie Pop. He probably did at some point, I'm sure. I didn't like Tootsie Pops, to be honest. Tootsie Pops are good. They're not as good as like Bomb Pops, but they're good. I don't like suckers in general. Because you are a sucker, sir. Yeah, I threw you that softball. I'm glad you hit it with like such amazing force. And you're like, ah. I'll take it, damn it. I'll take that softball and I'll bunt it. Well, let's get some, uh, let's get adversarial now. Let's talk about uh, our face-off. So we each submitted two topics to each other and said, all right. What's better, this or that? So starting off, I'll start with mine. First topic, John. What is better, pizza or tacos? It's a tricky one because obviously both are really goddamn good. Mm-hmm. Pizza's pretty goddamn amazing. Tacos are pretty goddamn amazing. Mm-hmm. And also with both, you get a lot of variety. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got, you know... Different crusts on pizza. You've got different toppings you can put on there, different cheeses, different sauces. It's, you know, sky's the limit. And also, similarly with tacos, there's, you know, just different meats, different toppings. Same same deal, basically. Same, yeah. Um, I don't feel there's a wrong answer here. I mean, maybe there is, depending on the person, I suppose. But for me, I mean, both are pretty damn good. I think, personally, if it was up to me, like, you know, like somebody was saying, hey... You can have pizza, or you can have tacos, but you can never have the other one. I think I would go tacos myself, just because I think there's a lot more, like, the meats I feel like you can get a lot more complex with. You can do different, you know, different seasonings. You can do dry. You can do, you know, have some kind of sauce on them. You can get, the flavors can get more complex. You've got a lot you can do with the salsas and just different. I just, I just feel like tacos are more, tacos are the way to go, whereas pizza's great. But I feel like for the most part, it's all still pizzas. I think you can get enough variety with tacos that there's there's a lot more there to be had. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm going with. I'm going tacos. All right. So when I thought this up, it's like they're both great, amazing foods, like you said. And I asked my wife, hey, what would you think, tacos or pizza? And without hesitation, she said tacos. And in my head, I sat there and I thought, Probably tacos, but I had to think about this. I'm like, I got to be objective about this. And there's a lot of things that you said is that there's a lot of variety that you can have in the pizza and there's a lot of variety you can have in tacos. If I had to say what had more variety in terms of options, tacos would be pizza. But I had to think about this in a different way and I thought about it for a while. I thought about two things here, floor and ceiling. So I feel that tacos have the higher ceiling. 
I feel that with tacos, you can craft a taco where you can do such an amazing combination of ingredients that you can have yourself an amazing taco. Pizza, you can only really do so much with pizza. Like, there's some pizzas I've seen where, like, hey, here's a mac and cheese pizza, or here's a cheeseburger pizza, or here's an Alfredo pizza. But usually, it's a lot of the same core components, and it's harder. Like, there's so many different toppings you could put on there, but I feel that there's a lot of mainstays, and it's harder to be innovative with it, mostly because I feel you're limited by the sauce. But saying that, I feel that pizza has the higher floor. It, or, and the reason I say that is that I feel it's much harder to screw up a pizza. I think tacos, because of the variety and variance involved in there, you're more likely to get a bad taco than you're going to be to get a bad pizza, in my thought. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. I was kind of thinking, well, as you mentioned that, I think, I mean, I think bottom, kind of bottom of the barrel, like pizza that you can get mass, mass produced, that you can get, you know, that you can get most places. I feel for me, at least, is probably Little Caesars. Like, it's kind of definitely, you get what you pay for. I mean, they're five or six bucks, whatever they are. It's not horrible but it's probably going to be the last you know like that's kind of the i'm on my way home and i want pizza now i decided five minutes ago i want it and that's what i'm going to go get you know it's edible i think i feel like you almost need to put something like i put hot sauce on mine a lot of times to make it more palatable because it's kind of eh. and i feel the same kind of goes with taco bell like taco bell i feel you know kind of taco john similarly although i think taco john's a little bit better than taco bell um taco bell is kind of your bottom of the barrel mass produce you can get it anywhere and that's kind of the same thing like nobody's going to be like i want a good taco i'm going to go to taco bell it's more like you know i kind of feel like a taco and i'm in a hurry and there's a taco bell over there um i mean i I think you're right that i think going back to like this is that you know with pizza it's harder to mess up pizza because the lack variety i think tacos a lot of the flavor profile i think the one thing that works against tacos is you're more at the mercy of the quality of ingredients you have on a taco, where I think in a pizza, you could have weaker ingredients, but I think the pizza is still going to find a way through. But with a taco, if you get the wrong type of meat in there, or if you don't have like fresh vegetables, your cheese choices, your sauces and stuff, or access yeah. to those, I think that's where you get the variance. So that that's where I was on the fence. It's like, all right, I feel tacos, the higher ceiling, do I go with the floor of pizza? Ultimately, the tiebreaker for me was, if I was making it, what would be better? And if I'm making it, then tacos, hands down, will be pizza. Because it's harder to make pizza at home, where it's easier to make tacos at home. And I think that was what broke my tie. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think there's a wrong answer here, but... You know, and and I do think like Little Caesars Pizza is probably better than Taco Bell tacos, like as far as the two go, but not by much. You know what the Um, worst pizza is, in my opinion? Worst pizza I've ever eaten was, believe it or not, when I was in Italy in high school, we went to a place called Pizza Bus, which apparently when you're like 17, 18 years old, you're not thinking like, hey, Pizza Bus. That's going to be horrible pizza. We were thinking, hey, pizza bus, let's go try that. It was horrible. It was like somebody decided to put like a little bit of sauce on some 
it was it was bad. It was very very bad. But but what were you gonna say? Uh, I was gonna say Papa Murphy's because these guys trick yeah. you into basically cooking the pizza, and the amount of variance you have. Because again, the difference between cooking a pizza in a pizza oven versus actually I don't know relying on your own janky oven, they're tricking you. It like like anywhere like Papa Murphy's or like hey we'll just put the ingredients together, but you're going to cook it. It's the same as like going to Ikea and it's like, Hey, guess what? You're now a warehouse worker because <laughs> if you want this stuff, you got to go find it in the warehouse. Oh, find that crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say, I was thinking, I was thinking Papa John's, but Papa, Papa Murphy's, I don't mind. I mean, I, I get that. It's, it's not great. It's fine. Um, Papa John's, I feel is kind of hot garbage pizza. I don't, I don't feel that Papa Murphy's is that good though. It's not that good, but it's not that bad either. It's not, you know, it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it's worse. It's no, I think Little Caesars is probably worse, but, you know. I think the difference is, is that I'm paying maybe twice as much and I'm doing a lot more work where Little Caesars like, yeah, I'm going to have explosive diarrhea tomorrow, but I knew what I was getting into. Yeah, I suppose. Hey, Uh, you do you. All right. Your, uh, your next face off topic that you submitted. What was my first one? I think my first one was, <clears throat> which is more influential, Watchmen, you know, the original, the comic book here for people, you know, not the TV show, not the the horrible Zack Snyder movie, Watchmen or Walking Dead? Mm. All right, let's hear Obviously your... both pretty big, um, and it's Walking Walking Dead, I'm going to go with the, the comic book, not, not the, not as opposed to the TV show. Obviously the... The TV show would be part of what the comic book eventually spun out, but and is part of that influence. But uh, but that's what's more influential: Watchmen or Walking Dead, the comics for both. And what do you, what do you got? No, you you speak to your topic first. Well, I mean, obviously, Watchmen, and I was kind of trying to think of something that came out comic book wise around the time of Watchmen, like, but kind of everything around then was. You know, I mean, there's that, and there's Dark Knight Returns is kind of the other obvious one because I don't think I think they were close enough that Dark Knight Returns wasn't influenced by Watchmen, but they both kind of kicked off the whole grim and gritty. You know, superheroes are dark; they don't have to be happy and you know, always fighting the good fight. They can kind of be tougher and you know, do the things that maybe superheroes previously hadn't been willing to do. And which I think is an effect we still feel today. I think it was definitely in the '90s. You know, I mean, Wolverine kind of became popular because of that. He got a little bit more boost in popularity. You got, you know, the whole, I don't think we'd have Vertigo comic book series without the Vertigo series, the the line from DC without that. I think that kind of spun out from that. And just comics in general in the 90s, kind of this, the whole grim and gritty. And then that obviously when it kind of feeds out into other media as well, you know, like, I mean, Batman, you know, 89, the, the movie you could argue is kind of, you know, based a little bit out of that too um and then walking dead you've got you know comic book came out in what the late 90s i think didn't it or was that early 2000s uh it was about 2003 or 4 i think somewhere in there um but it was kind of the first really and you know and i'm going to use indie with air quotes you know indie comic because it did come out from you know image comics but you know robert kirkman was you know, not necessarily an unknown, but he certainly wasn't the big name that he is now. You know, he got he got his big name that he is now because of Walking Dead. And I think that kind of spun out this whole, you know, on the comic side of things, you know, it spun out just lots of like, you know, smaller, 
you know, not big name comic books were kind of the thing that everybody was checking out. It, you know, kicked it definitely, I think, had a big part of kicking off the whole zombie thing from the last, you know, 15, 20 years that we're, you know, I think we're finally out of now, but for a long time it was zombies just everywhere. And I think, you know, Walking Dead comic book had a big part to play in that, you know, certainly not alone, but a big part of that, you know, and then obviously we got the TV show spun out of that and it's various spinoffs plus other zombie TV shows and movies and, and everything. I think they both had definite big impacts, I think, but when you get down to which one was bigger, I think I would have to go probably myself with Walking Dead just because I think that the, the impact there was felt more widespread. I think that felt that, reached more into you know mainstream pop culture where you you know you maybe didn't even know that walking dead was a comic book before you watched the tv show or or some of the zombie stuff that kind of was inspired by that you know was something that a lot of people maybe saw you know you know i mean zombies like i said they were everywhere and i think that's a big part of that and you maybe didn't even know about walking dead and that but if without that being what it was that wouldn't have happened. Whereas I think the stuff with the grim and gritty stuff with Watchmen was definitely influential and even a little bit outside of comics, but I think that was much more localized to being just a comic book thing, even though it was pretty darn huge, probably even big, you know, as as far as just comic books go, probably bigger than walking dead was. But I think that's kind of why I give that second string to walking dead is just because it was more, more of just a comic book thing. Um, so what do you got? Where's your take? So I think when you proposed this, I think the hard thing I had was is that trying to compare both of those two is hard. I mean, reason why is because one kind of begat the other in that sense. If you were to sit there and say what was more influential, Watchmen or uh, The Dark Knight, that might have been a probably a closer fight or maybe something where it's more similar between the two because of those two both coming out. I think to your point, you're right. I think Watchmen definitely did influence some of the. I don't. I don't even want to say that it, it influenced the grim and grittier things. I think it was more of an adult book, which dealt with adult themes and topics. The reason I say that versus grim and gritty, I don't like using that word because I those words just because I feel that the connotations is violence for the sake of violence, and I think there was a lot of much more complex things that were kind of happening in the comic itself. But that being said is that it, it helped pave the way, as you kind of said, for a lot of other different, you know, comic book lines or comics down the line. So that's where trying to compare it with walking dead's hard, I think, because with walking dead, I think it definitely, to your point, it was something that brought, I think comics a lot more to a mainstream. And I think also helped, make it a lot easier for not just like studios or other companies to kind of maybe take the source material more seriously because case in point, you look at like what the byproduct of Watchmen was. Some people didn't take the right story away from it. So you had the whole like early nineties where everything was just super ultra violent and all, you know, just a whole bunch of just things there. And you look at what its influence was in movies or popular culture or mainstream media, it really wasn't. It didn't really have, I think, a mainstream influence compared to, you know, what Walking Dead had. It was there. Comic book fans knew about it, but really nobody else knew about it. And you look at what movies were being treated like back in those, you know, in the 90s. We got 
like the mask and barbed wire. And there was just so many just really poorly made movies made back then. So I I don't know where the, the proper answer is on this. I feel that both were important for different reasons, but I don't think it's a fair comparison to compare the two there. If I had to say probably what was more influential now, I feel that a lot of the independent comics that are out there right now, while it's easy to say Watchmen kind of begat like uh, Vertigo because of you know creating a comic book line, I kind of feel that Vertigo was also going to probably happen regardless just because of where culture and society was back in the day. I would give Walking Dead the nod just because I feel that you look at how many other independent comic books like thrived or maybe the better way to put it, I feel that writers thrived because of The Walking Dead where I feel you still had the same group of writers that were there back in the day when Watchmen came out. So I would lean that way, but I don't know if it's a easy fight to compare. No. Um, and I do agree. I think like definitely like you had kind of mentioned, like I think a lot of people, from Watchmen kind of learned the wrong lessons from it. Like, I, I think rather than looking at it as like, you know, hey, this is a unique way of looking at comics and superheroes and kind of deconstructing that and looking at it in a different light, they were just like, oh, we can just have, you know, superheroes punch people and beat the crap out of them. And, you know, that's okay. People like that. You know, they kind of, that's kind of what the lesson they took from it. And that was definitely not not the way to go. I think it was few and far between the people, people that saw Watchmen or read Watchmen and we're doing the right things with it. I think, whereas, you know, walking dead, there's obviously stuff that came out of that, that weren't great, but I think like you said, we're still kind of feeling the ramifications of, there's still a lot of cool creator owned, smaller press stuff. That's more plot driven, you know, plot driven or story driven, you know, driven by the writer behind it rather than, you know, who the flashy artist is. And, and I don't want to discredit watching because I think the narrative and subtext they had in there was outright amazing. And again, I feel that's where I feel like the better comparison had been what was more influential, The Dark Knight or Watchmen. I think if you were to go in that direction, that would be a much more interesting comparison because of what you're, you know, you're looking at two similar materials that came out at the same time where it, yeah. it maybe had more of a head-to-head. But And I, th- I think, like I said, I think the only problem with doing those is it would be hard to parse what was influenced by what since they did basically come out, you know, pretty much right at the same time. I think it's a little bit harder to tell which one influenced you could you could obviously argue which one is better just the better piece of work but i think it's tough to figure out which one influenced what just because they did kind of come out concurrently if if just a quick hit here if i had to compare those two watchmen i think was the better work but i feel that the dark knight was much more influential especially how it maybe made people take Batman seriously. And that's what led to the killing joke and led to a lot of other things. So, I mean, that's how I would view it. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong. I think the superhero stuff was definitely maybe a little bit more influenced by the dark Knight than by Watchmen. But yeah. What do you got next? What's yours? Next one for me is two shows near and dear to me. One of them is the venture brothers. The other is Rick and Morty. And the question I will ask is, what is a better show between those two? See, and I'm going to have to. I haven't. I'm. I'm sadly not caught up on Venture Bros. I forget where I left off. I'm uh, far enough along that I can make a good judgment, but I'm not. I'm not current, which is sad because it hasn't come out in quite a while. Because um, it's over, except for a movie coming out. 
Yeah, supposedly. We'll see about that. Um, by the way, Community's getting a movie. Hello, good stuff. Yep. Um, a little late for it, though. I think, yeah, a little bit. I think for me, I mean, they're they're obviously kind of similar. Both of them are kind of, you know, inspired by something else. You know, Rick and Morty's inspired by, you know, uh, Back to the Future with Doc Brown and Marty. Um and Venture Brothers kind of based on old 60s kind of cartoons and stuff like that. You know, Venture, not Venture, but Johnny Quest is the one I'm thinking of. Um, I think for me, I'm going to have to go with Venture Brothers. I think that just because I think the humor there is a little bit more, you know, a little bit more, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Rick and Morty just is a little bit more lowbrow. I think it's still funny as hell. It's still good. There's some smart stuff in there. But a lot more of the stuff there, I feel, is kind of a little bit more lowbrow, whereas the stuff in Venture Brothers is a little bit more. Highbrow is probably not quite the word to use, but it's just it's got a little bit more. You need to be paying attention a little bit more in, in Venture Brothers, I feel, whereas Rick and Morty you can kind of just watch and you know, oh, Rick did something crazy and whatever. Um, you know, no, heck, I could almost just say the fandom of Rick and Morty is enough to make me pick Venture Brothers over Rick and Morty just because I feel like a lot of the fandom for Rick and Morty are just jackasses and what whatnot. But um, so I think my money's going with Venture Brothers, which it's even more mind boggling why I haven't finished it up yet. But to be fair, I also am not current on Rick and Morty. So, you know, so there's that. Um, but just, yeah, I think just the, the, comedy in there the humor the storylines that kind of weave in and out of it i think speak more to what i'm looking at i mean obviously rick and morty has a little bit more going on underneath the surface than just the stupid you know jokes and the potty humor and whatever all that stuff that they've got going on there's obviously some more family dynamic stuff there that they're playing with um if you're paying attention to it but for me i think i'm going with venture brothers i I would say between the two. I mean, taking the fandoms out of it itself, yeah. Are there people that maybe are the wrong part of you know fandom that like Rick and Morty? Sure, but it's the same people that like watch Fight Club and misunderstand what the message of Fight Club is too. It's a for me. This was a closer fight for two reasons here. I think Rick and Morty, while it can be a bit cruder at times, I also feel that the premises that it can utilize are far more bizarre and weird of premises and when you watch it the show i i i can't help but like laugh at just some of the like the overall ideas and everything and really i i think the difference between the two shows is this with rick and morty i feel that it's these are a bunch of like messed up people and these messed up people never seem to learn versus the Venture Brothers where here's a bunch of people and I feel the core theme of the show is redemption and identity. You know, who are we as people? Are we happy being the people that we are? Where is it that we're going? I had to go back and forth between this one right there because having watched Ben Kern on both of those, I feel that Rick and Morty like has maybe the better standalone episodes. On some of the standalone episodes that Rick and Morty has, like their pre- some of their single premise episodes are some of the funniest episodes you're ever going to see. But I'd say the Venture Brothers has perhaps some of the best and most consistent lore, and that's what they've done is they've worked on building a lore. Where over the you know six plus several seasons of that show itself, it's been all about 
watching these characters change and grow. And I think that's the reason why I give Venture Brothers the nod is because you see where the characters start versus where the characters end. And it's a tremendous difference where before, you know, Brock and Venture Brothers was this guy that was just this gung-ho agent all about killing and, you know, jobs. And at the end, he realizes that these people around him are his family that he cares and loves for. And I think, you know, you look at Rick and Morty, it's, you know, I think has an amazing ability to be funny, but you don't get that with them. These are still the same people still sabotaged, I think, by their same vanity. So I, I think I picked the Venture Brothers because of that. Yeah, I think Venture Brothers definitely pays off like more like if you're paying attention more, it pays off some of that stuff in the long haul. Like it pays off some stuff that it'll do, you know, two seasons ago it'll pay something off that they mentioned there or they did there. Um Whereas Rick and Morty, you don't get as much of that. So, oh no, um, you do. Rick and Morty, there is payoff to a lot of their stuff, but you haven't watched it all. So, apparently not. Maybe I just need to catch up. Yes, yes, you do. Uh, John, throw throw me the last one you had here. The last one I've got is I went with Star Wars pre Disney, post Disney. Um, obviously, there's a lot of haters out there that are like, you know. Disney Star Wars can't do anything right. I'm going to shut you down. Just the, let's just say post Disney. Let's say post Disney and just make this nice and easy here. <laughs> okay, go with it. What's your what's your reasoning? My reasoning is this: is that while I feel the best movies definitely came out pre Disney, that was also a different era of movies and filmmaking itself. And the prequels obviously are a cesspool of just garbage and dumb to begin with. There was a lot of things that came out. I think the hard thing about, I think, what was going on during pre-Disney is that there was just so much stuff. There was so much stuff out there, and I think the hard part is you never knew what was canon, what wasn't canon. You had all these different source materials. Nothing really ever cross-referenced with each other, and not all of it was good. There was a lot of things out there, and the I hate using this term, but like the, a lot of the stuff out there felt like a lot of you know fan fiction too, or there's all these different things. But wait, did this count or did this not count itself? And when you really take the whole essence out of it, I would say that the best part about like you know Star Wars pre Disney were just really the toys in the original trilogy. The comic books really actually weren't that good. Like some even like the comic series that were out there, like you know, Dark Empire or any of that stuff. Again, like the Star Wars comics weren't great, and they had all this stuff like the Knights of the Old Republic. And there's some people that are gung ho and die, you know, diehards about like all of that stuff. That's great, but it was just all over the place. And these are the people that, if, going back to the whole toxic fandom. That's why nobody nobody likes the Disney stuff because this fandom is like this is all the stuff we grew up with, and this is how it was and should be. That's <sighs> how it was, but things change and evolve. Disney, I think, reeled it all in and said, "All right, we got to figure out what counts and what doesn't count." So they even said, "This is what's canon. This is what's legacy material from stuff in the past itself." The comics that they've worked and coordinated with Marvel in the process are probably 20 times better than anything that ever came out back when, like, you know, the original, you know, prequels and pre-Disney stuff was. I don't, 
I think part of it is is that the Disney stuff doesn't suffer through the weird things that Lucas wanted. Because Lucas, while he made some of the best movies in the original trilogy, other people's hands were in those movies that helped do it. And you could see what happened when those same people's hands weren't in it when he made the prequels. And some of the weird hang-ups that Lucas has... He's a man of special effects, but was never a man of substance. I feel at least the Disney stuff has had a lot of substance, except for the Rise of Skywalker. That's a fucking piece of shit. And Kathleen Kennedy, God damn it, I hate you because of how that movie came to be for the most part. But you take that like ugly, like you know, vomit out of the entire thing. There really has been much that Disney has done wrong during that period of time. The only other thing that really that would be pre-Disney that I feel that uh, is very valid from that era would be probably Clone Wars. Clone Wars, I think, did something that Lucas could never do, and that was actually give depth and humanity to a lot of the characters from those prequel movies. But I, I think you, you can't really even argue. Post-Disney probably has been handled so much better than whatever pre-Disney was. No, and I would have to agree. I think there's obviously good stuff, and obviously we wouldn't have the post-Disney stuff without the pre-Disney stuff. You know, the original trilogy trilogy is obviously fairly untouchable. Um, Clone Wars, like you just mentioned, is another thing I feel is kind of the other piece. I feel that's the other big, great part about that era. There's you know a lot there to like, and I think it was as ambitious as hell, and you know did a great job fleshing out just how big the Clone Wars was, which was this thing that we had heard about since you know since you know, episode four, since New Hope came out, you know, your father fought in the Clone War. Like, well, what the hell is a Clone War? And, you know, we didn't get that until, you know, decades later. And I think this, that kind of showed us what it was and paid that off really well. But I think also to your point, there's just a lot of stuff you had to wade through. Like, there's a lot of stuff that was just not worth your time. And I think it was hard to know what the stuff that you, you know, that was, you were going to get, that was going to be good, that was going to be worthwhile as far as novels comics video games i think whereas these days and i and i also hesitate like everybody says oh disney ruined star wars or whatever like disney isn't in there like you know whoever the current ceo of disney is isn't you know telling star wars what to do like lucasfilm is doing its own thing and as long as lucasfilm is getting disney their paychecks disney itself doesn't really give a shit what Star Wars does. As long as they don't suddenly start making, like, you know, Girls Gone Wild Star Wars version. Like, they're not going to give a shit. Just get us our money, make this investment worth it. We're not going to get in your way. You know, some of the blame, like you said, could be put on Kathleen Kennedy if you don't like it. But she's not Disney. She's there, I think, you know, if I'm not mistaken, she's the one that Lucas put in charge. You know, or maybe just recommended, I suppose, since he probably didn't have a whole lot of say. Um, Well, I think part of it, too, is the big difference is that you know, with the Disney era, it comes down to two people they put their trust in, which is Filoni and Favreau. Uh, Favreau. Those two right there are people that care about not only the you know Star Wars, but the story and the progression. I don't know if you've ever like seen some of like the original ideas and I you know thoughts that Lucas had about Star Wars, but his he was just not a good writer. He was good with imagination and good with vision, yeah. but that guy could not write worth a damn at this point, and that was no, very evident once the. I think it's you know to the other point you made, like where you were like you know Luke was great for the original trilogy, but he had a lot of kind of hands in the pot there helping him out with the editing, with the storytelling, with the directing. Irvin Kershner that made those, you know, yeah, that that made those movies what they are, 
and he didn't really i feel like big problem with the prequels is he didn't have anybody around him to say no he was he was basically surrounded by a bunch of yes men like, oh yeah that's great he didn't have anybody kind of tell him you know well maybe you know we tweak this a little bit and we do this instead of you know, do this a different way or whatever it might have been. He didn't have anybody kind of helping him guide him along. It was a bunch of people. That he was so enamored him. with the effects that he couldn't just bother with the story. And I think that's where yeah. the biggest improvement since Disney took over is just the quality of story and writing in all of their medias mediums has been 15 times better. So I, that's why yeah. I think it's a no contest there. And I think even like you look at like, like the comics, for example, like, you know, like, Currently, I'm reading every Star Wars comic book that comes out, whereas back, you know, pre-Disney when Dark Horse was doing them all, or the majority of them, I wasn't reading a whole lot. There'd be miniseries here and there I'd pick up, but just a lot of it just wasn't worth my time. You know, it was kind of few and far between, whereas now the vast majority of it is is very readable. I mean, not everything's great, but it's been pretty good, pretty solid for the most part. Um, well, and that, that I think the comparison, too, is like with Lucas... Like, you hear stories about how Lucas is like, no, you can't do that with this character. You can't do that with this. But this is the same Lucas that, like, let the Marvel Star Wars series, which really about 80% of it's pretty bad. I mean, reading through that is just painful where yeah, it's weird because he didn't care until he cared. Instead, it's like, yep, I can make money this way. Yep, let's make some action figures. Yep, let's do this. And that's really what it came down to. Yeah, and I just, I just feel like the variety of stuff we've gotten since – you know, post Disney, like we were talking about Andor the other day. And, you know, I feel like we wouldn't get Andor back in the George Lucas days. We wouldn't be getting <clears throat> all these different things that we, you know, visions wouldn't have came out. I think he's, you know, he's probably totally on board with seeing all this stuff, but I don't think we would have gotten that under him. I think he was just so, so much in control of it being his thing, his vision, his, you know, thing that he conceived of and put out there. That I think ultimately it was for the best for Star Wars and Star Wars fans that he kind of gave it up and put it out there, gave it to somebody else, was like, here, you know, I'm kind of done with this. Take it and keep it alive so that my legacy can can keep going. You know, I mean, obviously, we like we said, we wouldn't have this stuff without the prequel stuff, but I think it's, or not the prequel stuff, the pre-Disney stuff that, you know, obviously it's good that it's there. You know, the original trilogy is awesome. Clone Wars, all that stuff. There's a lot of good stuff there to ha- be had, but... You know, I just feel like the innovation we've gotten since then has been, you know, amazing. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that was our face-offs. It looks like I think we agreed on every topic almost. Agreed on tacos. I think we did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Hooray for us. Mm. We see eye to eye. Sometimes not necessarily for the same reasons, but, you know. It's all good. No, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it. Pizza's better. We'll have to come up with some more controversial ones next time, like creamy peanut butter versus crunchy peanut butter. <laughs> creamy. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Yep. All right. Good. Well folks, thank you. Thank you for listening to us. This is the Geek Roulette Podcast. I'm Mike Spragle. I'm John Lundquist, everybody. Crunchy peanut butter for life. Fuck crunchy peanut butter. We'll see you next time.